All righty, this is Jim Collins with another episode of Journey to the Pit. Um, we have, again, this is another interview from our Journey to the Pit Marathon. Um, so we're going to be rock and rolling with our next special guest that's coming on. Another highly anticipated guest have gotten a lot of requests uh, for this guest to be on the show. So we're really, really looking forward to him coming on and, and explaining about the history. He's one of the old school cockers from back in the day. Uh, when, you know, a lot of the uh, cockpits were legal all over the country. Um, he competed all over the place, and a lot of y'all guys know him, Mr. James Sylvester. So we're going to bring him on in a second. Um, I just want to make sure everything is working right before we start. Make sure Mike is good, the video is good, and we're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. We've been having a – it's been a great week. Um, of interviews. We started out with this uh, Journey to the Pit Marathon on Friday with uh, Jay Riddle being the first, um, you know, being the first guest. Then we had Don Lester and then, you know, we just went on and on and on. So we'll be running these interviews all the way until April 2nd, trying to run these interviews all the way to the end of the quarantine for most of us, which was uh, March 30th. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So like I say, we just want to go ahead and continue on pumping out these interviews of these highly contested uh, special guests that we have coming on. And I'm going to bring on Mr. James Sylvester from Sylvester Game Farms located in Alabama. We're going to go ahead and bring him on the show so we can get this thing started tonight. And uh, we can talk about some history, some background, you know, his bloodlines and how he do things. So let me bring Mr. Vester in on the screen. He'll be coming in three, two, one. Mrs. Vester, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Is audio and, and video was good on your end? Looks like it. Okay, all right. Well, you sound good and you look good. And uh, a lot of the guests viewing tonight, <laughs> you looked up in the sky like you was. <laughs> well, listen, Mr. Sylvester, man, you know, a lot of people have reached out to me and it was really, really looking forward to this interview. Um, a lot of them know your back history. You know, a lot of them have been following you from back in the day, you know, when everything was legal throughout the country. Um, you know, you're one of the old school cockers that have been doing it for a long, long time. Uh, so a lot of guys have watched you perform back in the day when it was legal. And they was like, man, I can't wait to Mrs. Sylvester's interview come on. So um, so we kind of I know you have watched these interviews before. So we'll always start off on the same so we can give the viewers some background who do not know Mr. James Sylvester. So we kind of always start off with, you know, how did you get in game foul? How old you were? Are you second generation, first generation? Let's just start from there. Second generation. My dad had chickens, so I was born into them. Okay. Okay. And he competed so, everywhere, you know. And then I rode on up and got to compete too. That's right. That's right. And many of us, many of us uh, know that. So tell me this, Mrs. Sylvester. So you know, like you said, you had your your, your second generation. You know, mm -hmm. obviously you was born into it. Your father had chickens. You know. Back then, what kind of chickens did your father have? He was a Kelso man. He liked the white and yellow-legged roosters. And then okay. I was like the green-legged chickens. And he had half chickens, too. I had a few grays, but I always was green-legged, you know. But I liked the Kelsos. I can't say nothing about them. But I've always been a green-legged person. I always liked the hatches or the grays. I just liked them. Right. Right, right. So he was he was a uh, OK. So tell me this. So obviously you were growing up, 
and 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 you were being exposed to the chickens that your father had you know how old were you before you kind of veer off in your own direction to get the kind of birds that you that you liked uh, well i got around 16 17 year old got the hatches and then i got the grapes and then i was probably 21 22 daddy got them kill souls uh-huh and you know then he let me have some of them but he didn't let many of them out He'd really he let many of them out. No, to nobody. So, so tell me this, Miss Sylvester. Where did you get your birds from? Who did you get your birds from back then? My base blood is the old Harold Brown blood, you know. And then uh, Dad got some blood from Bob Short, and then okay. it got some Kessler blood hatch, and then you know we just blend them together and just name them Sylvester hatches because you can't call them one or the other. You know, when you mm -hmm. blend them all together, they're not theirs no more. They're yours. So that's just where it comes from. You know, face blood. That's and great. Right. Most O'Hara blood. And, and Mr. Hack Lauderdale's real good friends. And I got a grower from him at sunset. And I bred it into mine and bred it out. And then I got some of his, too. And I sent him some. So you swap back and forth. Right. 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 You know, they swap them back and forth. They swap them back. So tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So obviously your father was competing. Like you said, your father was competing all over way back then in the day. Um, you know, how old were you when you competed in your first derby? 16. Won my first derby. Wow. And where was it at? Clear Creek, Alabama. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, met some good rooster people. Made some good. So tell me this: What birds did you use back then when you were sixteen? What were they when you run your first derby? Hatches. Uh, <laughs> That's good chicken. It's some good chickens, huh? Yeah, there was good. So, so, so tell me this, and I don't want to fast forward too quick. You know, those roosters you had back then are they the same roosters you have today? Basically the same, you know, because we blended other hatches into them, you know, but uh, they're still pretty good chicken. Mm -hmm. Oh, we know they're good chickens. We know they're good chickens. So, you know, I just wanted to know, was it kind of the same that you had? So they basically was the same that you kind of started when you, that you won your first derby with, but you added a little bit more blood yeah, into it since that, then. You got to add other blood to keep them, you know, keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what everybody. So, they last forever. Right. That's exactly right. So, so tell me this, Miss Sylvester. What type of, you know, what do you look for in a chicken? Say, let's start with station. Do you like medium station, high station? I like medium to high. I don't like real tall. Okay. I like medium to high. Okay. I like big old bodies. And they got to have pretty red eyes. Okay. Okay. High. So, you said it. They got to have them pretty red eyes, huh? Uh, yeah, I can't breed no green eyed rooster. <laughs> I can't even one. <laughs> Tell me this is, is there any particular reason? Did you have some bad experiences with a green eye? I've always had bad experiences. I can't win with them. You said so you can't I, win with them, huh? I don't mind if they got a little crooked toe or crooked feather, but I just can't deal with them green eyes. But that's me. Can't deal with them. That's right. That's right. No, we understand. So you, but no, I just can't deal with it. Right. So you like a medium to high station. You like uh -huh. a big body. How about legs? Like what? 
strong like leg. legs. Do you like? Yeah, like a strong leg. A strong leg. Okay. But I want them, you know, no, I don't want them too tall. A lot okay. of people have real tall roosters. I don't like them real tall. Not right. on short roosters, but, you know, nobody usually overtowers them, you know, when I meet, you know, when we play. So they're good right. medium to high to me. Medium to high. And I hear a lot of people say your, 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 your birds are known for a lot of power. They're pretty strong. I like said it hit pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. But these other people got really hit pretty good too. So you got to have it. I know. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> no, that's definitely the truth. It, 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 it got to, you got to have it. Yeah, I believe they got to have that power. You know, they got to cut you too, but, but that power helps you well down that line. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So, um, we're going to back up a little bit so we can continue to walk everybody through the story. So, you 16 years old. You know, you win your first derby uh, with the hatches that you had back then. Um, obviously, you know, how, how many chickens, like how big was your farm that you grew up on? You know, your daddy had, did he have a couple hundred roosters or what? No, maybe 75, 80. It's a long time ago, you know, didn't sell no right. chickens. They played. Right. Mm-hmm. No, wouldn't that mean? And then, you know, when I won, you couldn't tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was easy. And then next time I went back, and right. they found that tail. You know, you didn't win a fight. Sit there and cry like a baby. Say, oh, what happened to my roots? <laughs> this ain't no, <laughs> this ain't nothing that happens every time. You know, you get lucky once yeah. in a while. That's right. That's right. It's you hard. Can- you got to earn it. You got to earn it every time you go out there. Every time. Yeah, and these times, you know, it seems like everything you do, everything works for you. Then these time, everything you do, everything is it blows up in your face. You know, right. if, you, right. if you're on that day, you're just another entry. That's all you are. It don't matter who you are. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And I think some guys uh you know, they need to understand that at the beginning, you know, because I can tell you they come in with high hopes. They get, you know, they, if they start, if they win too early, it gives, make them too arrogant. And the next thing you know, when they start losing, because you can go on a long losing streak. It ain't no time limit on a losing streak. You no. know, you can lose for years. <laughs> and ain't no time limit on no winning streak either. You can have That's it right. today, next week you can't have it at all. So nobody right. can stay on top of this thing all the time. You right. know, you can be right every time you go. And it's you know, you can be consistent in what's working for you, what you like, that's what you stay with. That don't right. mean you're doing something wrong or, or doing something right, win or lose. You know, next right. time you do the same thing, it just don't work. Right. And it's the luck of the draw. You know, every derby every derby, say five cock derby, they five roosters there. If you get lucky enough to draw. You can win, but the five if you're unlucky enough to draw, you tote yours out by the tail. That's yep. just the way this game yep. works. They ain't no hundred percent of nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they put them, you know, so, when you put them weapons on, anything can happen. They both anything got anything can happen. You got that right. right. Yep. 
You got that right. So tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So, you know, back then, were you 16 years old? You know, like you said, you won your first derby. Then obviously you start going through. Obviously, you know, you wasn't winning all of them uh, back then. Um, no. You know, and you said back then. Say that one more time. No, nobody won them all back then. You know, there was good interest. Right, right. Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me this. You know, with, with everything being, you know, legal back then and all these places, you know, being open, what, what do you think back in the day was the toughest place to show at? Clear Creek, Alabama. They used to carry them there you and, test them. Them and test them, see if they could take them to Sunset. Yeah, it was a slaughter. Wow. But you had the, probably the best in the world come down there, too. You know, you had Mr. Alperkins, you had Johnny Jumper, you had Jimmy Sr., you had Blondie Rowland, you had uh, Colonel Gibbon, Shorty Bullet. I mean, just on and on and on. You can just keep on. You know, it was a tough place. So tell me something, Mr. Sylvester. So back then, you know, with all those legends, you know, a lot of a lot of those those legends that day is 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 set the bloodlines of today. You know, um, who do you think back then? Like, who did you really befriend? You know, become really good friends with, or or or, or looked up to outside of your father? With any of those guys? Was it any of those guys? Yeah, my dad. He trained a lot for Jimmy Singer, which later on I did, and then me and Jimmy Jr. Okay. So yeah, Jimmy Jr. was a was a hell of a rooster man. Oh. Yeah, I looked up to him. We traveled to Sunset with him and Mid America and everywhere else. Petey Foreman and all. Trained some and then me and Jimmy Jr. was playing together when Sunset when it closed down. So yeah, it's been, you know, they've been good people. Right, right, right. So you had a really good relationship with them, more more so than just friends. Y'all had a working relationship. Right, right. Yeah. Me and little Jim. Me and little Jim, I guess, was closer than me and Big Jim, which I pitied for Big Jim and, you know, trained a few, but me and little Jim was more close. We had a good time going back up, back up and forward down the road, you know, playing the more roosters. Right. Were y'all around the same age? No, he's a little older now. He's probably 10 years older now. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know if there was maybe the age. The age is what made y'all guys a little bit more closer. No, he was he was the second generation. I was the second generation, and you know we've always known each other. Hell, they knew me, I guess, when I was born because Daddy and they played a lot of roosters together for a while. Right, right. And so, so, so tell me through my dad. That's what you do. You so tell me this, as far as feeding out and all that kind of stuff, is that something you learned from your dad, something you learned on your own, or something you learned from them? I learned some from my dad and, and Jimmy Senior and some on my own, too, like everybody. You can always add something or take something away. It's what works for you. You know, you might see something you like, you'll try it. You may see something that, you know, you just don't like, and you don't try it. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody is different. Right. But That's right. Was, That's right. But I was always, you know, uh, got my roosters in shape. Or I think I do. You know, I want them in shape because they're athletes. Not a machine. They're not no robot. They got to be in shape. You know, to hold the power. You know, everybody says, "Oh, it's bread income." That is true. 
But to keep it, they got to be in shape. They're athletes. Yep. And, I and, and, and I'm actually glad. And I'm glad you're saying that because that's exactly right. You said two key points. You hear people say it's bred into them. And like you said, that is true. But the other part of it is they still got to be in shape. You know, we've seen what happened with Mike Tyson. We've seen what, what he performed like when he was in shape. And we've right. seen how he performed with Buster Douglas when he wasn't in shape. So, right. you know, he had the power, but he was naturally a hard hitter. But when right. he wasn't in shape, he wasn't really doing nothing. He run out of power in about two rounds. Same as Bruce, about three pittings if they ain't in shape, they can't pop like they did. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. ain't the rooster's fault a lot of times. Right, right, right. So, so, when lose a draw. When lose a draw. Totally understand. So, as you growing older, you know, coming up in the game, you showing in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me this back then. You know, did y'all guys, as far as getting getting birds in shape, do you use rotation, bench work? You know, how did y'all guys put them birds in shape back then? Well, we used fly pins and worked them on a the bench. We hand worked them. Oh. Move them to the table, flip them, you know, and then scratch them in them pins. We made them get it. Right, so y'all, y'all did a combination. Right. And then you rest them out of it, you know. That's the main thing. Got to rest them out of it. And sometimes, you know, you don't give them enough ring. Mm-hmm. And I'm bad about that. You know, you said you're bad at that, huh? Yeah, by giving them, not giving them enough. You know, they look like they really enjoy it. Well, I really enjoy putting it on them. And don't give them enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> face sometimes. Right. Right, right. Well, tell me this, Mr. Sylvester, and the reason why I ask you that, because it seems, you know, I don't know, was back then, you know, did, did, did you notice more cockers back then, you know, uh, 34 years ago, you know, uh, work birds on a bench more so than in later years, you know, like before 2008 or in early 2000s? I think so. You know, that was old school cockers, they call them. Yeah, they worked them on them tape. They got them in shape. They got them in shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 and, that, and that's always a question. I know that's a hot, a hotly debated topic. You know, a lot of guys are like, oh, you don't want to touch me. You don't want to put him on that bench. It takes the cut out of him and all that. That's something I don't agree with because I always look at everything as a tool. And, you know, you ain't, everybody not going to get the same result from that tool. You have to know how to use that tool and apply it to your situation to know, like you said, you can overwork them on that bench, or you can underwork them on that bench, or you can work them just right on that bench. It all depends on what you're doing, basically. That's true, and they got to have that rest. You know, uh, I believe, you, you know, but I like to run them through a pre-keep and put a lot of work on them, then throw them out, let them pull themselves back together, then bring them back, back and, you know, work them the first week, and then just play with them last week and let them roll. You know, sometimes it rolls, sometimes it don't. Right, 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 right. So tell me this, Mr. Sylvester. So back then, like, how long was your keep? Was it like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? What? Eight to ten days. Then you throw them out two to three weeks. And once you pre-keep them, no matter for out six weeks, you can bring them up for a two-week keep. So, you know, just a two-week keep, but, you know, they always need to be pre-keeped. Pre-kept. And then when you say when you throw them out, you mean just put them back out in the fly pins, tie cords? or Yeah, tie cords, pins, wherever it is, you know, tie, put them back out in the, 
the pins or tie cords, you know, leave them alone. And then you wait 10 days, two weeks, or six weeks and put them back up and then run them through and carry them on. Run them through and carry them on. And that two weeks is when you really put your hands on them? Or do you also, like, what? what's consistent yeah. in a pre-keep back in the day? When you pre-keep, it's still the same. You work them morning and evening. And the pre-keep is mostly to get them gentle and, you know, eating out of your cup, teaching them how to fly to that table. You know, a lot of times, the first going there, he don't know how to do it. You have to teach him how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just like he would at run board. When you first put him up there, he ain't going to get that board. He don't know what he's doing. But after you do it a few times, he'll learn himself. And then, That's you know, right. he'll do a lot of it himself. And then you're rubbing and patting him, trying to get him gentle, trying to get him to eat out of the cups, you know, where you want him to do. And that's mainly the pre-keep, you know, and getting them in some kind of shape, you know, getting them quieting down where they ain't so wild or little mean. Mm-hmm. Mine's a little hot to start with, so there's a lot of rubbing and petting to start with. Right, right. That's true, especially like you said, when you're starting to handle them now in confined, in, in confined environments, too. They usually used to being outside on either tie cords and pins, and now you're bringing them inside of a building, and you're yeah. trying to put your, you know, that's, that's that could be a stressful situation at first, you know, with it the is. bird. It is, because you're changing everything on You know, mm-hmm. they arrest all. But they ain't been in there before, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you put your stags up, put them in a pen, you worm them, delouse them, trim them, cut the furs, put them back in the pen, you know. Then when it's time, you bring them up there, you changed everything he was, you know, used to getting, you've changed it up on him. Now you flying him to a table, and he say, hey, what's going on? You know, you put him in that box or put him in a fly pen, so, you know, it, it shocks him. Shocks them to start right. with. You have to rub and pet. And that's a lot about the free keep, too. You know, it helps get them, get them used to it when they come back. They already know what's going on. What's going on. So it's a lot of mental conditioning, basically, too. Yeah. Well, for me, a rooster, you know, uh, he needs to be mentally and physically ready mm-hmm. to perform at his best. Because mm-hmm. he ain't right. mentally ready. King right. So, 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 tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So back then, like you say, you know, you put them through that that two week pre keep. Do you change the feed? You know, back then, did y'all change feed or it's the regular yard yeah. feed? Yeah, no, we changed the feed. You know, like a yard feed, be corn, pellets, oats, uh, calf manna, black oil, sunflower seed, all that mixed in your feed. And then when you put them up, we'd always. That's why I was taught. Maybe wrong. Maybe right. I always put pigeon feed and oat growth, which is the heart of the oat, and, you know, crack corn. You know, crack it up and blow all the dust off and, you know, do it that way. Okay, okay. You know, you put your goodies on top, whatever you want to put. Some kind of fruit, you know, just different things. Right, different things. So, so, Ms. Sylvester, you said back then y'all work birds two times a day? I do it now. Okay, two times a day, huh? Morning and evening. And then go out there in the middle of the day and pick them up and rub them, pet them some more. It don't hurt them. You know, the more you pet them, the better it gets for them and you too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know everybody's got roosters that buy them. You rub them, pet them enough, ain't long, they, they generally quieten down. Right, they're quieting down. Yeah, that's that's about right, because sometimes it takes about a week, a week and a half to kind of get them from biting you. 
you know, and, and sometimes they get so wound up, they might still pick you, but they ain't like they were when you when you first start putting your hands on them. Right. I trained fun for Jimmy's Jr. once, and, you know, run for a 10-day keep. The ninth day I called him, I said, hey, I've been about went under hack with these. These are going to beat me up, beat me up. He said, oh, you got to rub them. I said, I just believe I'm going to bring them. And it seemed like, you know, they quieted on down the next day, but I done had enough. You know, and all my roosters right. back to come, but whew, them was some roosters. <laughs> but them was good roosters, you too. Oh, they done about had me hacked up, too. I didn't had enough. But we went <laughs> good with them, you know, when they, but they finally broke. You know, one or two of them didn't break 100%, but the rest of them broke down like babies, you know, but I was drawn up. I said, hmm, I've done had about enough of this. And he just right, laughed. Right, and right, right. Once in a while, we'll talk about it and we'll laugh at about it now. Right. So, so back then, you know, like you said, you work in the birds two times a day. You know, did you do the same thing in the morning that you did in the evening? Yep. And seem like if they mean and they like to work, just keep pulling it on. They get tired. They get where they just lay down. You know, but you, you know, breaking them down too. Mm-hmm. It seems like it helps gentle them down a lot better too. You know, mm-hmm. you just moving them. And, you know, having to get him out and get him in, you know, hands-on is a lot in this game to me. Right, right, right. So so I guess you can contest to the fact that that bench work don't take. If you're doing it right, that bench don't take no cut out, no bird. No. No. I mean, I've won with roosters in the fly, so they got to be cut. I've won with them in the draft. I've got my ass whooped both ways, too. So, no, no I don't believe it. I don't believe the bench work had nothing to do with win or lose. I mean, I always think it happened a lot of times in a drag because it was in shape. And they took a lot and they could come back from it. And the rooster, he ain't going to take a lot. That's my opinion, too. You know, everybody got their own, but that's mine. If, if he ain't in shape, seems like he wilts away quicker than he does if he's in shape. Mm-hmm. Rooster in shape will take a lot more. That's right. And I think they recover better, too. That's just my opinion from my experience. You know, a better, better healthy and in a better shape than he got a better chance of surviving afterwards. You know, obviously it depends on, you know, what weapon you're showing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I have seen the better shape he in and the healthy he is. He got a great and that's the same thing with humans. You know, athletes wouldn't recover from, you know, a torn ligament or something like that if they wasn't eating good and, 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 and being healthy and being in shape. That's true. I believe that too. Yeah, so I, I needed to hear that from you, you know, because like I say, many of uh, many many people watching uh, know who know who you are, know how you competed. So I wanted them to hear that from your mouth, you know, because again, that bench work is a hotly contested, you know, topic, you know, and a lot, and 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 it's something I disagree with. I believe that you know you need to put your hands on a rooster, but again, that's just my opinion. I believe in you have to work them. And, and the reason why I said it is because I have seen plenty lazy roosters. And it's hard for me to believe that every rooster is going to put himself in shape. Now, I have heard guys say it would. But then when you go see them show, after two pittings, the, the, the rooster mouth is open like this. And I'm like, see, I told you. You know, you can't tell me that rooster's in shape. Look at, look at his mouth. So, you know, uh, uh, again, I'm just basically going on what I see. And I always say, let your birds show me better than you can tell me. You can tell me anything you want to tell me. 
but let me see it perform. And then that's going to tell me what's working and what ain't working. So, um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not no famous rooster man like yourself. So my, my word don't really care about your credibility. No, I wanted you to say it. They need to be in shape. They need to be in shape. They need to be. And how you get them there again is everybody's technique, everybody's opinion. And uh, it's plenty of guys who have became world famous with just just using rotation. But it's also plenty of guys who have became world famous using that bench also. And that was just always my argument. You know, guys have mastered the craft on both ends. Guys have learned how to get what they need to get through rotation. And also guys have learned how to get it through that bench work. And in combination, like you said, use the combination, use the bench and some some rotation. Right. We did it all. Did it all. I right. was taught to do it all. You know, work them, put them in the pen, make them dig in there, you know. And then like we'd have drop pins, you set them out in the grass and let them scratch around, kick air, you know, just keep them moving. Right, right. So tell me this, Mr. Sylvester, like as far as, uh, you know, back in the day, and this is a question because one guy was like, all uh, uh, Kevin was asking a question about, you know, being all natural. So back in the day, um, you know, was it was it pretty much the, the birds back then were just all natural? You know, guys just worked it, worked their birds all natural. They wasn't trying to use any kind of extra, you know, performance enhancers and stuff like that. I didn't see none. And, and I know Jimmy Senior didn't use it and was probably as good a rooster man that ever lived. Uh, I didn't use it. You know, might give them a big twelve shot, but that's a vibe. So we didn't ever use it. Right. We just work them. you know, get them in shape, work them, and you know, try to take care of them best we could and let them roll. But I mean, those people, okay. that, you know, they've used it, and well, they've won with it. But there's not a miracle drug for none of them. Nothing. If it was, that's everybody right. would. Have it. So you know, there's not a miracle drug. Taking care of this. So, Mr. Sylvester, that, that's it. It goes back to, like I said, that 362. All that old other stuff, at the end of the day, if you ain't got that three, 362 days right, the rest of it doesn't matter. What I did was is I posted a question up there. They wanted me to ask you about traveling with birds. You know, what's your method? Uh, uh, you want to talk about, I guess, the feeding and the boxes. But as far as traveling, you got how did y'all guys travel with birds back then? Because you was all over the country. Well, we drove them, you know, put them in boxes. And I used more like the Mexican box, you know, toward the end because you could haul more roosters. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if it was leaving, say, going to sunset, leave at 2 o'clock in the morning, you feed them around 5, a light feeding, a real light feeding. You know, mm -hmm. try not to have nothing in their uh, curl because they're always going to have it in their gut. And then, you know, when you get there, you know, when you get there eight, nine hours later, you know, that evening you try to give them a pretty good feed and see if that'll, all that'll move through them. And then you'd know if it don't move through them, well, you pick have a bad weekend. If it moved through them, it seemed like you would show pretty good. But always try to get them pretty empty. Okay, you know, okay. Because you ain't never going to get it so out of the gut. Get out of the gut. So basically you give them a light feeding the day, the five o'clock the day prior, huh? Right. And then you leave at 2 o'clock the next morning. You know, you set them out and let them, let them empty out. You know, hope ain't nothing in their crawl. And then you head down there, you know. And them, you know, if they haul in the Mexican box, most time you'd, you know, have some droppings back behind them. Just clean it out and set them out in their pen, drop them. And then that evening you give them, you know, 
a regular feed and see if it would move on through. You know, mm-hmm. or that's the way we did, or I did. Right. That's what we want to know. We want to know the way you did it. So so we, so I'm a recap. So you gave them five o'clock the day prior to leaving out. You gave them a very light feeding. Right. right. Y'all, would, y'all would jump on the road at two o'clock in the morning. Then y'all would get to y'all destination. Right. Drop them out. You know, drop them out. And like I said, checking a box. They probably did some little dropping inside their boxes. Um, and when you get to the location, you drop them out there. And they don't um, Okay, now do you feed them that day once you get to the location? No, I wait till that evening. So they miss okay. the you know, they miss that morning feeding. They get fed the next evening, you know. Feed them a regular gotcha. feeding, you know, moved on through pretty good. Okay, did, so I got that. All right. Better, we were just another inch. Okay. Okay, I got you. So tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So basically from what you said, you feed twice a day? Yeah, I feed twice a day too, morning and evening. Morning and evening. Okay, and that's and that's the reason why I wanted to make that clear, so guys understood that you know uh, when you said Mister Feed, you know Mister Feeding, they understood that you feed twice a day. They right. didn't miss the feed for the whole day. They just missed that morning right. portion of the right. They missed the morning thing. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, so t- answer me this. So when you feed in twice a day, are you basically dividing what you would normally feed them in a day in half, like say two ounces in the morning and two in the evening? Or, you know, how do you do that? Repeat that one more time. OK, so basically when you said you feed twice a day, do mm-hmm. you basically feed what you would normally feed in a whole day, but just divide it in half? Say if you fed four ounces a day, do you feed two in the morning and two in the evening? No, I feed pretty close in the morning like I would in the evening, too. And, it, you know, and if they eat a couple, the way I, when you're working them, you know, especially with, you know, way I do it. Mm-hmm. Seems like the more feeds you can run through him, the stronger he'll get. Got you. Got you. So, you know, and if he ain't eating good, you try to cut his feed. But that is just gobbling it up. You know, I try to give him more. I mean, you still want him to have, you know, didn't have control. You know, the next time you feed them, and sometimes you have just a little because it depends on how much you eat. But if they're working, right. you know, the metabolism building up, so they got to move more. You know, feed moving more feed, and that's what's worked right. for me. Right, right. Don Lesser talked about that on talked about that on Saturday. He said he like he he always feed twice a day. You know, he said he always feeds twice. It help him catch stuff too. He said, you know, you, you feed him twice a day. You know, and, and if something don't look right after that morning feed, you can catch it. He said, uh, and then not only that, he said it's a little less feed at one time. So if you got any issues with crawl bound and stuff like that, it's a lot less feed for them to have to deal with. So he said that's why he liked that two times a day. And then you know, in the middle of the day, you can go out there and check him and and see how it's moving. You know. Coming on out of his crawl or whatever, and then you can give him a little treat, you know, some banana or piece of apple or grape or whatever you want to give. You know, I like to give him treats too. Right, right. So, Mr. Vesta, tell me this: Do you feed your birds the exact time every day? Somewhere within 10, 15 minutes. Gotcha. Morning, well, that's pretty much exact. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty close. I try to be okay. pretty. Right, now, right. So, how early do you feed them? Huh? Right, right, right. How early do you feed in the morning? Most time I get out there, you know, 6.30, and then, you know, try to feed between 7.30 and 8, 
And then in the evening time, I tried to treat, feed between 5.30 and 6. 5.30 and 6? Yeah, but you got to get up there and work them, you know. So it depends on how many roosts you got up. Right. You know, a lot of times I got up 20, so it takes me, you know, over an hour just to work. Right, right, right. If I'm so, by myself, and, I got to get early, but like with my wife, Ruby, you know, I'll hand them to her, or she'll hand them to me. And, you know. Right. Two people make it go quicker. Make it go quicker. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I'm and I'm asking you these questions because they coming up in the comments. So, you know, I like to try to Yeah, yeah. And and, and then I don't, you know, I don't like to get overloaded on the on the on the questions from the comments because you know, you can go back later on when you get time and go into the comment section uh to ask some of these questions. But I know some of these guys are really itching to hear the answer now. They ain't gonna want to wait till later on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and I think some of the guys believe in feed once a day or twice a day, but Mr. Sylvester did explain why he likes to feed twice a day. He has always fed twice a day. You know, he explained why he feed twice a day so that, you know, if anybody got any questions, I think he pretty much went into detail about what he do and why he do it. Um, now, is you got another uh, guy, uh, another question here, and I'll put it up on the screen. It's like, uh, what's a good pointing feed, especially for living in a desert? Now, I know you ain't never lived in no desert, but I'm, I'm assuming he mean in a dry climate. Uh -huh. You got any suggestions on that? No, because I usually just use, you know, at the end, you know, the last two feedings is really just cracked corn. And maybe in the desert, maybe in the desert, he could, uh, have him. <laughs> no, that's fine. Hey, we all got kids running around the house. So. <laughs> Come here. Uh, tell him hello. Hello. Hey, Wait. what's going on, little buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, you know, if he's in a desert, he could, uh, you know, put a little moisture to his feet. You know, maybe soak it, give him something a little, little damp. You know, try to keep some moisture in if it's a dry. Or, right. you know, when I found out it works, uh, I've used it too. as use that evaporated milk, you know, after you give it to them. Give them three or four dips in, and it seems like it, you know, it's like a neutralizer, you know. Put some oh, so, that in so that evaporated milk help you out with a little moisture control too, huh? Yeah, and it seems like it keeps that body fresh too. Mm. Okay, well that's the well, that Antonio. I guess that that's the answer to your question right there. Uh, and that was Antonio was asking was asking that. Um, so tell me this. So you said that your last two feeders is basically just cracked corn, huh? Right. And I squeeze a little orange juice over it. Mm. So guys, y'all hearing that? But I use fresh squeeze orange every feed. I don't get oh, no you use fresh. We squeeze it over our feet, over our feet, morning and evening. Wow. 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 Well, I guess that that's something definitely new. So you said you you use, I mean, you you squeeze fresh squeezed oranges over their feeding two times a day. Yes, sir. Tell me this. Uh, what's the reason for that? Well, it's got the vitamin C and, you know, got a little acid to help move that feed out of them. You know, and I do put a little tomatoes on my feed, too. You know, canned tomatoes help move that feed. Right. And a lot right. of times when, right. I go, you know, when I go, you know, to the show, 
when I get there from a hall, I'll give them two or three pecks of them tomatoes. You know, I've had a lot of people, why do you do that? I said, well, I think it helps settle their guts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know, everybody's drank a few beers. Well, how many of them have drank tomato juice after they've had a few beers? Settle their stomach. Right. They ain't drinking no beer, but I think there's some stomach, you know, the guts might be a little sour from the ride. And, you know, tomato, right. Tomatoes just coat their stomach, help move. That's my opinion. Gotcha. That should be right, right, right. And it has always pretty much worked for you. Yeah, it worked for me. So, you know, right. I do. So, so uh, you got Jay Sanchez on here asked about, you know, do you ever use buttermilk? Yep. Anything? You do I use, use buttermilk? Buttermilk in the summer, cottage cheese in the winter. My feet in the summer, I sort of, you know, dampen my feet, my grains. And then in the winter time, I want it drier. Because the roosters are still green. Their bodies are still green. They still got a lot of moisture in them. So I use the cheese instead of buttermilk. But when it gets warm weather, say maple on, I'll start using the buttermilk. Wow. Wow. So you dampen your feet with buttermilk during the, during the hotter months. No, no, when it's hot, I, I dampen my feet with water. I soak it, rinse it off. Okay. Just a dry feed. But you're still putting all your toppings on top. You know, like me, I use sweet peas. I use tomatoes, um, cottage cheese, or buttermilk. Uh, I use canned dog food or tuna fish. You went out. I think somebody was trying to call you. There you go. Somebody must have been trying to call you. Your voice, we can't hear you. Let me see. Nope. Mr. Vesta, I'm going to click you out. I'm going to click you out, and I want you to click that link and come back in, and hopefully that should fix it. All right? I'm going to click you out, and hopefully when I bring you back in, it, it'll fix it. All right, guys, just hold on a second. He had a phone call that messed up his connection. So we're gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna go ahead and bring him back in. We just wanted to click him out and bring him in and hopefully that'll fix that'll fix his uh that'll fix the issue that he's had with the um with the with the connection. Okay, hold on, give me one second here. Let me bring him back in. Okay, there you go. All righty then. There you go. We're about to come back in. Uh, I don't know what happened. It went blank. I can hear you. Yeah, hearing. yeah. Sound like you're down in the bucket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so listen, let's go ahead and finish off where we was at. So you said you sweet peas, uh, cottage cheese, buttermilk. Go ahead and run them things down again. Yeah, and tomatoes. And, you know, some kind of either fruit cocktail, blackberries. Uh, you know, I put that over my feet. Fresh squeezed orange juice over the grain, and you know, spoon it out, and then start putting your toppings on there. That's what I talked about earlier, the toppings. You know, whatever you like to put on that. Right, right. And I guess it depends on your situation, too. Like you say, depending on what part of the country you're in, you might got to try different things to see what works for you. Right. Right, that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, I know in the summertime, that buttermilk can keep them rooster fresh, too. On the summertime, that buttermilk can keep them fresh, huh? Right, keeps the freshness in that body. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I tell you what, guys, all y'all sitting here listening to this, y'all know these are a lot of old school techniques that's tried, true, and tested. So he, you know, he ain't been in the game just a short period of time. So, you know, um, I guess y'all guys can see something that he has been using for decades and it's been working. Um, and, and obviously he got more than one way. Like you say, he switched up between the cottage cheese and the buttermilk. You know, he, he dampened his feet certain times of the year, certain times of the year he don't dampen it. You know, he used a lot of fresh fruit, you know, squeezing fresh oranges over his feet at times. Um, so these is all the tidbits, tricks of the trade that, that he, that has worked for him. So, you know, it might just be something y'all guys may want to try. Um, we got a, we got a question here. From uh, Jason Roberts, which add which adds uh, add a little boiled white eggs for moisture. Also, do you ever use boiled egg whites? You know that's what we was talking about earlier. Everybody feeds different. I've tried it and never did no good, so I don't do it. Gotcha. Now, really? Gotcha. Now, really? now with me, I ain't never done no good with eggs, but Ruby did it and she done good. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's different. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's a funny one. You, you did it, didn't have no luck with it. The wife did it, and she, she did good with it. Right. So, I mean, she fed the same thing, but she added eggs. You know, she did good. Every time I've done it, I ain't done no good. So, I can't blame it on eggs. Maybe it's just coincidental. But, I ain't right. never been good. So use right, right. So you've been doing. You work out perfect with your with your with your last couple of days. That cracked corn, that fresh cracked corn is pretty much all you you, you focus on with a little bit of maybe tomato or orange, uh, uh, orange, yeah, fresh they get, orange. They get the orange, and then I give them a little bit of tomato. But like on Wednesday night, if I you know show on Saturday, or if you show on Friday, back it up Tuesday night. You just have to go. I mean, every how many days you're going. But say on Saturday, on Wednesday night, I take, you know, most of that off. They'll get a little, two or three pellets and, and you know, a little tomato, you know, Thursday morning. You know, Wednesday night's the last. They get all the goods. You know, they'll try to clean all that out of it. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you crack that, crack that feeding down real to real simple, just a few items, huh? Right, right. Yeah, just, you know. Little pigeon feeding, a little cracked corn Thursday and Friday morning and evening, cracked corn only. Crack you know, with the large juice on. And I don't. Uh, how much? How much? Huh? How much? How much cracked corn do you typically feed in the morning and evening with the little orange juice? About two ounces or what? No, no. On Friday morning, if they're gonna play Saturday, maybe a half a teaspoon. Okay. And Friday okay. night, they get a peck at it. I'll hold it in the cup. Okay. What you get. Okay. You get. Yeah. And that's what all you, you get. get. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. And, and it's orange juice on that the whole way through until showtime. The whole through. Yep. And I never take my water away. Got you. That was going to be my next question. You already answered that before I got to it. I was going to say, well, how you do with the water? Because you know they're going to ask that. That's, yeah. that's well, I don't take it away. You know. If I think if they need it, they'll get a drink. If they don't need it, they're going to drink it anyway. And most people, you know, they get the rooster there and they stick it in front of him. If he's playing in it, he don't want it. And a lot of times he's letting you know. But if he's diving in, something's wrong. You something's know, wrong. they have fever. I mean, you know, I look at them like, you know, like athletes too, or 
are like humans. They're not humans, but if you're thirsty, you're going to go get you a drink. But if you lock down and you can't, you know, they'll cut their self off when they get ready. Right. right. You know, when, right. Right. if you think about it, you know, I just use, you know, uh, in the pen, they got water with 24 7. They drink water anytime they want to drink. When you go wash that bucket out, they'll come get them a drink or two and they go off. I think the same if that water's there with them at all times. If they want it, they'll drink it. If they don't want it, they ain't going to drink it. You get them out and you spawn right in them pens and they breaking, you know, chest high and just flogging. Well, if you go to trying to take them out of their habitat, then they don't perform good for you. It ain't them a lot of times. A lot of times it's the train. Mm-hmm. I've messed up a lot of them. Mm. And I'm glad you're saying that too, because again, it seems a lot of people tend to blame it on everything else but they self. Goes back to, like I say, using those tools of the trade. You know, right. you can't really blame, like you didn't blame it on a like you didn't blame it on a ball a whites. You know, you was like it can't be the a whites. You know, because my wife used it and did fine. I right. used it and I didn't. You know, so it got to be can't blame it on the a whites because right. it did work. Right. And every time I ever used them, I didn't do no good. So, you know, when everybody else used them, they do good. I said, shit, what am I doing different? So, you know, I just don't do it. But, I mean, you know, and that's what happens to a lot of roosters. There's more roosters messed up in the barn than it is anywhere else. And you can ask that to anybody that plays roosters on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's 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 exactly yeah and, and i'm asking you a lot of these hot topic questions too because again obviously you know you being who you are you got a lot more credibility than me but these conversations i have had with a lot of people and it seems like you know i made a post some time back and i said the solution is not to blame the breeder because i have seen you know things throughout my travels that you know i look at them and like man they messed that that bird up you know, they messed that bird up. It wasn't that bird. It wasn't a breeding. That bird just wasn't right. Why right. he wasn't right, I don't know. But I just know he wasn't right. He should have shouldn't have been here today. Um, but but you're saying even from your experience, in order for you to learn, you done messed a lot of them up in that barn yourself, haven't you? Oh, and I still mess them up. Yeah, but you can't blame it on the roosters every time. Sometimes you have to take the credit. So I worked hard messing you up this bad. <laughs> That is the absolute truth. And I tell you, it's a hard pill for a lot of guys to swallow, but sometimes you just have to swallow it. Sometimes you just have to say, I messed this one up right here. Um, so, so, go ahead. And it's, it's sad when, you know, you, you got to show up, you really lie, and you mess them up. When you carry them to the, when you carry them and show them, well, it seems like you got them off, they call every one of them. You know, you don't want to play no more. You know you got them all. They just keep getting them slaughtered for you. Right. You know, uh, wish, you know, you had your roosters back when you leave and go home in. Right. Try and get some more money somewhere, but you can't get them roosters back. They say, oh, you got plenty of them. You don't get them back. Right. You don't get them. Especially, like you said, if it's a show that you really liked and they right. done messed them up and they're all gone. You don't get no second chance with them. No, and I've done that a lot of times. 
Wow. That's a hard pill to swallow, ain't it? Yes, it is. But tell me this, Miss Sylvester, have you, is it, it, you know, what would you say is like one of the biggest challenges, you know, for you to always have to be mindful of, of not doing wrong? You know, like you say, you have messed, like, you know, you have messed roosters up in your career. Um, is it some mistakes that you made more than once? And you say, man, I should know better. I shouldn't have done that. No, you just try and it just, you know, sometimes it just don't work. The weather may change for you. And, you know, it, it changes for everybody. So it's just a gamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, either you hit or you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like you said, it, it is a gamble. But I guess the more times you do it, too, you kind of get a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of extra knowledge to kind of maybe try to adjust right. to the different changes inside of the environment. And sometimes, you know, you try to adjust and it just don't work. And other times you try to adjust and it fits around and works for you. Mm-hmm. And that make you scratch your head, don't it? You know, it just oh. make you scratch your head. Like, oh, man. man I- <laughs> it is bad. I've, you know, trained them and, and go and they perform to go back. And, you know, in my mind, I've done the same thing. Then when you go... It's like, wait, they totally different than what it was last time. You know, they right. don't perform right and they they don't do nothing right. You know, you just miss them. No, they, right. they no, there's really no key that's 100%. There's none. I mean, you know, people say, hey, I want to buy a keep, I want to buy a keep. Well, you watch, it's, it's trial and error. It may work for you this time, it may not work next time. I don't know, you know, no need in just saying, well, that keeps no good. Right. You know, it, it ain't gonna work every time. Nobody's. Right, right, right. And, and then, like you say, you're going through the keep anyway. You're going to have to make adjustments um, regardless right. of what keep you have. Because, you know, ain't no one keep for every place on the planet. You know, for no. every weather, you know, conditions of the weather, humidity. It's so many things that comes into play of getting them right, you know. You can't have a, and you'll be like an encyclopedia, and you still have to interpret it and be able to apply it anyway, even if they get did give you all the information. That's true. That's true. So, 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 so tell me this. You know, I have heard you know many times before, but you have mainly been breeding your birds for the last forty years. So I don't know if this is something you can kind of answer or not. Do you feel as though with certain bloodlines, um, or certain breed of birds, so certain ones past feed faster than others like they was talking i heard a guy was saying about the acls they got shorter intestines so they pass feed quicker you know do you see that in certain lines do round heads you know you know different than hatches or you know do you kind of think they kind of all the same what do you think about that really that's a good question but really all mine they they basically all about the same you know, I've right. I've done good with the grays doing them that way. I've done good with the hatches or the kelsos, but I've done bad doing the same thing too with all of them. So I don't, I, I can't, you know, answer that because I don't got, you know, right. round heads or uh, or aces. Right, 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 right. 
So, so tell me this, um, and I know, and, and just for some of y'all guys, viewers watching, y'all must have, you know, some of y'all just came in. Some of the questions that y'all asking in the comment section right now, Mr. Sylvester, uh, have already answered those questions, you know, uh, so, you know, when the interview is over, you can kind of go back and watch it, but they just asked some questions that you already answered, you know, where your hatches come from and all that kind of stuff. You already explained that um, at the beginning of the uh, of the interview. So, um, so let's let's talk a little bit also, too, because I know these guys get fanatical about, you know, Showtime stuff, all these tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff. For Showtime stuff. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, as far as your breeding, you know, do you use incubators, natural hatch? You know, let's talk about some of that stuff. Do you use incubators? I use both. Yeah, I use hands and I use incubators. Okay, okay, use hands and incubators. Um, is there a reason why? Is it because the amount that you putting out, or yeah, the, it's amount, but but uh, you know, I hatch a bunch, but you know, when they first hatch, I put them in the brooders for about three weeks. Then they hit the ground for maybe a week, you know, under a light. And then I turn them loose, and then the strong shall survive. You know, I don't sell them, baby them, and all that bullshit. You know, I make them let them be chickens. If they make it, they're okay. If they don't, well, that's just the way it works. You know, I have to hatch the bunch because I ain't going to sit there and babysit them all the time. Right. You know, I have to hatch the right. bunch to get a few. <laughs> right. hey, well, that, that's kind of how it works. Like you say, if, if they survive, they survive. If they don't, they don't. So tell me this, Mr. You know, run on your own. You know, they'd be feeding water there for them. But, you know, you go out there and most of the time, baby chicks is dumb, you know, especially with the incubators. They're smarter with a hen. But uh, with incubators, you know, they'll pile up in a corner on you. You have to round your corners off or they stand out in the rain. I mean, you know, they just, you know, go to places they shouldn't go. <laughs> you know, I had, I had foxes getting into them one year. Well, you think? They stayed at home? No, they jumped the fence over there where the foxes was. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they do everything. You made a good point, and, and I guess it goes back to just Mother Nature. You just said the incubator chicks seem like they dumber, they dumb, but the, 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 the natural hatch ones, you know, got a little bit more sense. Like, because the mama's, mama's raising them and teaching them all kinds of techniques. That's true. You know what, uh, you let a hen hatch them three weeks, maybe four. She's carrying them up in the trees. You got them in the incubators and hatch them six, eight weeks. You trying to set them up on a little pole up off the ground. <laughs> yeah, they right. a lot smaller with a hen, you know. Right. That's a good point right there. Now, you know, we have never talked about that. That's a really, really good point. So you saying from basically your experience out there on your farm, you see a huge uh, difference between incubator chicks and natural hatches as far as their intelligence or at least their adaptability to nature. Right. Yeah, and the hen, you know, make that funny sound, you know, if a hawk or something comes by and they, they go high. You know, when they raise dirt, it has to get a few of them before they – Finally, wise enough. Mm, I mean, like that's a really, really good. Go out there, and if a hen's got baby chicks on the yard, run after them and try to catch you. She'll holler, and they'll just. Right. You've seen them disappear. You've tried to catch them, I'm sure. And she hollers and run and hide under the grass or anywhere else they can hide. Right. 
That's a good point. Yeah, nobody never even said that. That that's a very very good point. So tell me this though, um, you know, with, with your natural hatch, I know we have had some people come on the show say they try to get, you know, they try to, uh, you know, get the land land hens that they know going set. You know, do you have certain hens that that you know going set, and do you try to get all the eggs up under her, or how do you do that? No, when I'm single mating, I want my uh, hens to hatch. When I'm Say what you call mass producing. I want to put them in incubator. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. So, um, and you do see a difference. Now, tell me this because this is a question in a comment. You know, um, we know you don't baby your chicks or anything like that. But do you put anything in their water? Do you use any type of vitamins or anything like that with your chicks? Yeah, I use vitamins, electrolytes. Yeah, okay. I put them okay. in the water. And then, okay. you know, you get worm medicine in the water some. Okay. But I let them... Do any vaccination? No. No vaccination? No. Okay. And I'm just going through the, I'm going through the comments section uh, here, just looking at some of the questions, just trying to see if I can kind of get a few of these questions in here. Um, you know, a few of these questions in here because these guys look like they starving for some answers. And guys, listen, what y'all watching, understand Mr. Sylvester is going to, you know, get around later on, you know, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, something like that. And he is going to try to answer some of the questions uh, in the comment section because it is a lot of questions in the comment section with some of the stuff he has already answered. So, you know, again, if you came in midsection or mid-time in the interview, try to go on back to the beginning of the interview, and you'll kind of get uh, some of the answers to some of these questions here, because he's not going to be able to answer every single one of them. Um, so, Mrs. Investor, back back to that. So, you do use incubator, you do use natural hatch, you use vitamins and electrolytes and stuff like that in your water. Um, you kind of let the birds, uh, only the strong survive, they get them on out there, you know, uh, the strong ones going to survive, the dumb ones are going to go, and that's pretty much how it is on that. And the weak is going to go, too. You know, and if they're weak, you don't let them know it. Mm -hmm. Right. Know, I don't think they're involved in Maybe I could raise more if I did, but I just don't. You just let them, let them, let them be. Let them be. Let them be chickens. Let them be chicken. So tell me this, Mr. Investor. So you, you said you do the single mating. Is that all you do is single mating? No. No, I do single mating on, you know, uh, some I want for breeding chickens, you know. And then, you know, when I say the mass produce, I put, you know, rooster and five hens together and, and get some off, you know. Mm -hmm. We get a bunch more eggs so and get more baby chicks. Right, more baby chicks. So tell me this, Mr. Investor. So... You know, let's just talk a little bit. We did talk about, you know, what, what kind of station you like with the rooster. You know, you like medium to high station. You like big bodies. You know, you like strong legs. Um, you like red eyes. You know, does a tail play into a factor? You know, do you care about what they tail look like? Well, I want a pretty tail, but I don't care if it's up a little bit or down a little bit. You know, everybody wants pretty roosters. Right. That's right. Right. So but, so let's talk about the hen then. You know, what do you look for inside? You know, what do you look for as far as confirmation and stuff like that on the hens? Well, I want her to have that long breastbone and pretty red eyes. You know, pretty you know, I want her to be good and tall or tall enough. Mm -hmm. You and, know, but and, I want and them to be strong made too. 
You want to be strong. We want them to be strong body too. Also, yeah, I ain't gonna bring no weak one. No weak one. So tell me, Mr. Sylvester. So, um, what is the typical size of your birds? You know, low fives or no? I get all sizes. I get them from four pound to six pound. So you know, I don't try to breed to make them come all one size or all look the same. Uh, they chickens, let them be chickens. You know, and a lot of people say, why? You know, and I said, well, and this is the way I usually ask them. I said, well, do you got brothers? Yeah. I said, oh, y'all look identical? No. I said, okay. Why you want them to look identical? They're chickens. Let them be chickens. Right. You let know, them be chickens. Some of, my, some of my chickens will come light. Some will come dark. Some will come medium. That's just the way they come. You know, they come. I just let them be chickens. You know, I want them to be good chickens, but the color really don't matter to me. That's right. That was going to be my next question. You know, the looks might be fluctuating, but your characteristics, they pretty much got to carry the same characteristics among right. them, correct? Both the same, yeah. Right. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, he might he might don't care that the looks might be a little all, all around, but he want to make sure those characteristics is kind of in line with what you liking. Um, right. And I'm just kind of scrolling through some of these comments. And, guys, just once again, uh, some of these questions Mr. Sylvester has already um, has already answered. So, Mr. Sylvester, ask, ask me this. You know, how many do you typically raise in a season? Ah, oh, two or three hundred. I don't try to raise two or three hundred. No yeah, that's enough. That's enough to keep you busy. Right, right, two or three hundred. Um, some years, you know, you raise more, but. But, you know, you start off hoping you get two or three hundred, you know, between two and three hundred. Two or three hundred. You said that keeps your hands full. Right. Now, Ruby, she wants to have a whole bunch more than that now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be a she wants to be a eight hour job every day or ten. I want some kind of fun, you know. Right. That's right. That's right. So tell me, Mr. Vester, what age, what age do you like for your chickens? Is there any particular age that you like for your chickens to be shown? Two-year-old. Well, the second moat. After the second moat. After the second moat. Mm-hmm. Or they call them cops. You know, when they're cops. Yeah, I don't show stacks. Okay, got you, got you. That, that's what I guess they was probably trying to ask. Um, all right, so we answer those questions. Question, and just to let you know, we got people watching from all over Mexico, Australia. We got people watching from Hawaii. I'm just looking here in the comment section, and there's people from all over watching this interview, which is great. Um, guys, listen, I'm glad y'all guys are asking all these questions because a lot of this stuff has been 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 asked. Um, we got Glenn down here asks, uh, do you like speed over power or power over speed? I want both. Well, that's the Glenn. That's the answer to that, Glenn. Well, he asked, and that's the answer. I mean, you know, I guess I've been spoiled because these roosters have had, you know, pretty good speed and power. So I've been spoiled. So it's hard to say what I want, but you want cut over all of them. I don't care how strong they are if they ain't cutting. You know, he's always a saying, steel cut strength. 
that, well, you got that right because you can take the biggest guy in the world. He can have all the muscles in the world. You slice him with a blade. That kid, that kid you know, he might as well cancel Christmas after that. He'll get weak. Yeah, he'll get weak. Right, right. So tell me this. This is like a, I ain't going to say an old folk tale, but, you know, how do you feel about, you know, I hear guys say, you know, about the fact that maintaining game is in your line. A lot of guys say, well, I don't worry about games as long as they got that speed and that cut. I don't worry about gameness. You know, how do you feel about, you know, does gameness still play, should play a huge role in your program? Yes, it does. Yeah, I want gameness. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of people, you know, say gameness different ways. To me, as long as he gives me everything that day, I ain't worried about tomorrow. You know, faces or not. I mean, if he give you everything that day, it's all you ask him to do. You ain't going back the next day. You ain't gonna reband him and put him back right. in. You know, I used to want him. I used to want him show the next day and the next day too. And uh, me and Gene Bodier's pretty good buddies. And I was at his place, and I was coming back to sunset, and, and told him I had one got cut up pretty bad, and I wanted to test. He said, "Test." He said, "He showed for you for." Two hours back there in the drag. So why are you gonna break his spirit? I didn't have no answer for it. So you know, wow. I said, well, I guess I tested the work. So that's you know, it. They, as long as they do it that day, that's good enough for me. That's good enough. Okay, good. And 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 like I said, that's a question because you know, um, it's and and, it, and sometimes it depends on what country you from. They say. You know the cut over the gameness, or the gameness over the cut. Do you feel as though I don't understand why you can't have it all? I mean, I I don't understand no. that. Why do some people think it to get cut? You got to just forget about the gameness. Why you just can't have a game bird that cut? Yeah, I want that too. I don't know exactly, but that's what I want. You know, right? And what most people want, I think, is birds that cut you too. Right. That's right. That, that's that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's what I say. I, I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I think you can breed game roosters that cut. It's thousands of them out there, you know, but some guys just focus on one characteristic and, you know, and I guess that's it. it and, and, again, if it works for them, then it is what it is. Um, answer me this, Mr. Professor. How do you feel about uh, broodcocks? Do you feel as though they need to be tested? How do you feel about picking out a broodcock? Well, a lot of times I breed them just, you know, I know how they're bred. But then, you know, I'll, right. I'll test one. Excuse me. I'll test one once in a while. And he showed me right. He goes too. Got you. And you can a lot of times determine, you know, what's going on basically by what he produces. Right. But a lot of times, the best rooster ain't the best broodcock, too. Mm hmm. That is so, true. You know, you may have two brothers there. One of them can really perform, and the other's just mediocre. Mm -hmm. The one that can perform might not throw as good roosters as the one that's just mediocre too. Right. I've had that happen. I've done that. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, trial and error. You know, it may work this time, may not work next time. But uh, you know, it, uh. I've had a, you know, I had a pen of hatches once and, and, uh, for two, <laughs> two, three, for two years, they were good chicken. 
And then, oh. Uh, uh, the third year, they wouldn't work the court. Same they wasn't, huh? Never broke them up. Never broke them up. The fourth year is back good again. Now tell me what happens. They're chickens. I don't know what it does. Wow. So you said you never separate them or anything. Never two, years they did, two years they did good. The third year they did bad. The fourth year they turned around and did good. Right. I just, you know, that's just way chickens are. So, I mean, you know, I ain't got no, got no answer for it. That is amazing. Yeah, third year was no good, fourth year back good again. You know, a lot of people, wow. say, you know, and for me, as long as the rooster's producing good, you know, uh, I stay with him. A lot of people want a younger rooster, but as long as he's producing, you know, I'm one of them, I guess, I don't want to fix something that ain't broke. Right. Right, 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 right. Just leave him alone. Right, just leave, leave him be. So if he's producing, you just keep on using him. Right. I mean, I've had roosters 10, 12 year old, you know, still producing good. Wow, that old, huh? Right. I mean, you know, so, and the same as a hen, you know, a lot of times the older the hen goes, you get less eggs. But, you know, if they still producing good, why discard them? Right, just keep on using them. Right. You know, and I'm I'm looking at some of these um some of these comments, guys. That the, the comment about the feed, you know, Mrs. Investor pretty much answered that already. Um, um, just some guys just chiming on in. So uh, those are those are some questions that I had got, you know, um, through Messenger, and I really wanted your opinion on it as far as you know choosing, you know, brew cock that has proven itself and and one that hasn't proven itself. And like you said, you know, just because he's good don't mean he's going to be a producer. Just because his brother is average don't mean he ain't going to be a great producer. Right. Um, and you just do trial and error. It works. That's all. I mean, that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. They chickens. They and, flesh and, and, and tell me this. How about they flesh and bones. So tell me this. How do you pick your hens? Is it anything based on their brothers or is it just pretty much based on their looks? You know how you like to pick your hens. Well, I want, like for their brothers too and their look. You know, I want her look be. You know, I want to look good. Mm -hmm. I try to find it all. You, you know, but I like strong made chickens for breeding chickens. You know, good strong backs, long breast bones. You know, mm -hmm. good body. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look for a right. lot of things look for a lot of things but it's pretty much the kind of the same thing that's why your program been going so long because you said you've been pretty much had the chickens on your yard now for about 40 years huh right yeah and i ain't put nothing in them you know i mean i got different families you know blend back and forward and try to breed back to that side breed back to that side and, and then blend them back together again so you know they're basically the same thing the same thing right Right, right, and 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 Miss Sylvester, that's that's pretty much a big advantage um, when you've been breeding the same chickens for so long, because you kind of know how they kind of react, how they supposed to act, and I and I say that because when I first started out, like a lot of other people, 
you look in the backyard and I call it Skittles because you look out there and you got 16 different bloodlines back there. Two of these, two of those, two of these, two of those, two of these, and two of those. And I realized that like even through putting them through keeps, all them birds don't don't react the same. You know, different bloodlines got different characteristics and, and, it, and it's kind of, you know, especially when you knew it's kind of confusing because you, you know, you don't know that much. And then you got 16 different bloodlines out in your backyard and you're trying to treat all of them the same. But I guess one of the biggest benefits for you with dealing with the same birds for so long, they're a little bit more predictable for you. Well, I just got the, you know, the graves, the kelsos, and the hatchet. So I ain't got all the mother bloodlines. So it's been, you know, pretty close to the same, you know, temperament in a way and same style, in a, I guess, you know, in a, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Hey, so, well, so tell know, me. No, I'm smart enough to have 15 or 20 different bloodlines. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, listen, you know, you came, you was born into the sport. So it was a little bit different. You was born with some guidance. You know, you already had yeah. guidance there. But, you know, when you're not born into the sport, you go out here and you get so excited and you see so many good birds. You're like, oh, my God, those were great. And you go get a pair of those. And these say, oh, my God, those are great. And you go get a pair. So that's how you end up with 16 different, you know, right. all now I ain't going to say 16, but, you know, with multiple, multiple different bloodlines. You know, I've seen a lot of good roosters, you know, uh, different breeds. You know, I've seen right. good all of them. I've seen bad right. of all of them. But... I mean, you know, just what you like and what you want to have, you know, and that's what you stick with. And that's what you stick with. Stay with what you like. Stay with what you like. Because you ain't going to win them all anyway. I don't care if you go no. get 16 different bloodlines. No. That's right. And then you got more to keep up with. Right. <laughs> I try to keep it simple. <laughs> you say you try to keep it simple, huh? Right. Well, tell tell me this, Miss Sylvester. So, with the three lines that you, the three families that you have, right? Did they all start out with the same characteristics? Like you said, right now they pretty much got kind of the same characteristics with them. But when you started out with the three different lines, did they kind of start out with all the three same characteristics? Pretty know? close. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Huh? Yeah, they're pretty close. Same. Even those grays, even the grays with the hatches and all that, they nah, it was all the characters. Yeah, yeah, about the same. Yeah, they're about the same. They ain't much okay. difference. You know, when they perform good, they look good. When they ain't performing right. good, they look like everybody else. They look bad, or you know. That's right. And, and, and I think that's a very important question for, you know, guys out there, especially if you're newer and you are looking to, you know, get some more different bloodlines. You know, maybe one of the things you should be looking for is like Mr. Sylvester said, get, stick with what you like. So even if you got hatches and you're going to get a gray, try to go get some gray lines that got the same characteristics of the stuff that you basically have on a yard. Correct. Right. Yeah. Get you something that you know, blends together good, you know. And you may get them this time and they don't blend together. Next time they may blend together. So, you know, this breeding is, is tough. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you put them together, that don't mean they're going to be good. No That's matter right. if I breed them or whoever breeds them. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So tell me something, Miss Sylvester, you know, for a lot of, because a lot of the people out there, they, they're new. 
Um, I have seen guys, and it goes back to the to the statement you made a little while ago about two two years it was good, then it was bad, the third and good, the, the fourth. I have seen guys go out, and maybe you have answered this question already, but I've seen guys go out, go buy good chickens, do good for two years with the chickens. But after the two years, man, they just do horrible with them. Is it? Is it? Do you think it's because maybe they don't have the knowledge to hold that bloodline? Like you don't held your line for forty years. Mm. You know what is the key to holding is that a line for so long? Well, I won't breed brother and sister. You know, I breed okay, uh, daddy over daughter, son over mama. Mm. Uh, you know, nephew over the aunt, vice versa. That you know, and breed back out or try to keep them. But, but it's, you know, you just have to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you got them two years and they mess up the third year, it could be a bunch of different things. I mean, it, then it could be that year they didn't break that pin up. The fourth year, they might be good again. But they got mad because they had a bad year on the third one killed them all. Right. That's right. That's, and that's why I asked that question, because you made an extremely valid point. Now, you saying from experience, you didn't have them where you didn't separate the pen. So there was no difference at all. Two year, two good years, third year bad, fourth year, they came back like the way they were. Right. I mean, you, you got them and, you know, you're, you're breeding these chickens. Well, you're doing good and you ain't broke them up. Well, you're always a year behind. Right. So when you plan in, they're good. Well, then when you got them, they wasn't no good. You still got some more because you had them again. Correct? Mm-hmm. So then, then you, you know, when they when they don't look so good for you, you're thinking, oh, now I got them others out there. They ain't be no good either. But then the next year when you get them out, they're good chickens again. So, I mean, anything can happen. They're, they're chickens. they flesh and bone. And I don't know what it is. You know, they talk about the the stars and the moon. I said, shit, I don't know about all that stuff. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> so 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 tell me this miss sylvester and, and again this is something you brought up some very valid points that has never been talked about before so you know we, and you just said it you hear guys say i had a bad year and go home and kill that whole line you right. you wouldn't really even suggest doing something like that huh no not till you test them more no i don't no i mean just go home and kill them because you know, you've done something wrong. And a lot of times the breeding, and it's all breeders. Sometimes you make the mistake. You don't want to put them together. They didn't put themselves. You. So sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Right, right, right. That That's exactly right. It's even kind of like when you buy a breeding pair. You know, you go out, you spend all this money on a breeding pair, and it's like it just don't click. But that's no different than a breeder. If he had him at his house and he threw him in a pen, it wouldn't click either for him either. So it wouldn't even make a difference if it was at your house or his house, huh? Right. Sometimes they just don't nick. Right. That's that's that that's. I mean, like I say, these are some valid points, and I really wanted to kind of, you know, I, I ain't trying to be redundant on it, but I really want to drive it home because mm-hmm. we hear a lot of information, and I think sometimes people jump the gun. Um, and just because something didn't work for somebody else don't mean you need to come home and get rid of all yours or not try it. That's the point I'm trying to make. Just because it didn't work for Mr. Sylvester don't mean you don't need to try it. And just because it worked for Mr. Sylvester doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That's my whole point. That's right. 
That's true. And 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 because you didn't have birds on your yard, like you said, and and I had just never heard anybody say that. Have a couple years good, have a bad year, then they come good again. Because a lot of times guys be like, oh, they've been bad, and just go ahead and just get rid of them. That's what I have always heard. You know, mm -hmm. just go ahead and get rid of them. Well, I thought it too. I mean, they wasn't like dunghill; they just wasn't that good of roosters. They couldn't perform that good. You know. But then the next year, there's back at it again. Right. I mean, I don't know what it is. And I'm sure there's a lot of leaders done the same thing. You know, he's had right. right. And, and it, one of the key points is just kind of stick to what you know and what you like. Right. Yeah, stay with what you like. Stay with what you like. And and if you're going out there to add any blood or get any additional blood to add to, you, add to your program, get something similar to what you kind of have on a yard. Right, get something pretty close so you you know you know what they are. You know, you like them or you won't like them. But find something you like. It don't matter what they are. You don't want to buy them from you don't want to take them care of. And you you know, Mr. Vez, I'm gonna ask you to repeat that one more time what you just said about that feed and taking care of them. Well, you get what you want. Because you're the one taking care of them, you're the one feeding them. You know. Somebody down the road said, I don't like them chickens. Well, if they buying your feed and they over there feeding the water, maybe they got to say so. But if they don't, you get what you like, what you want. All I can say is amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. Because I always say you can seek advice, but don't seek approval. You can ask for all the advice you want. But at the end of the day, the only approval you need is the person carrying that feed bucket. Whoever paying for that feed... That's the only approval you need. So I don't care if Joe Small around the corner say them birds are trash. You know, we didn't try that 20 times and didn't work. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Because if I'm paying that feed bill, I'm going to try whatever I want to try. And I don't need no nobody's approval unless somebody cutting and check to buy that feed. Right. Now, if they take doing all the work now, then you might have to regroup. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them the only person they might need to ask to get approval from if the wife, because that feed bill is half her too. So I said, what? you know, if you're going to get some approval, the only person you probably need approval from would be your wife, you know, right. because other than that, anybody outside that farm, if they ain't cutting that check for that feed bill, you don't need the, you don't need their approval. I say, try, try it because every cross was an experiment. I don't care what kind of cross it was. You can go back a hundred years. Go back a hundred. You know, if you got a cross and the cross was first done 75 years ago, well, you know what? That was an experiment that was tried 75 years ago. So what is the difference? If you go out and try something today, I don't care how many times people tell you you're not going to work. If you're paying the fee bill, try it. Because every cross, successful cross today, was a result of an experiment. Because nobody right. knew how it was going to turn out. That's true. Because they, you know, everybody that breeds is experimenting. Mm -hmm. You know, all your top breeders, they breed something to experiment with. They don't try to raise a lot of them. They raise a few to see if it works, see if it clicks for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if it clicks, the next year they'll roll with it. But if it don't, then they, you know, say, well, I didn't do no good there with that. It didn't work that way. So I do it a different way. Right. 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 And that's that's exactly right. And a very valid point. And I try to bring 
And the reason why I said it is because I get a lot of these questions and I'm like, listen, you know, I don't, you know, the, the best way for me to explain it was the fact that, listen, every single successful cross a day was a re result of an experiment. And I'm pretty sure somebody was telling that person who tried it not to do it. And they did it and it worked. And like you just said, every successful breeder today is doing some experiment. They might not have it posted on Facebook or posted on a page or something like that, but it doesn't mean they're not doing it. They tried something. Every try. farm is. Right. Well, I try stuff, you know. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. If it works, I'm happy. But Mark, it ain't cost nobody but me. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, and, and, and what I like to ask you, Mr. Sylvester, so, you know, we have a lot of, you know, these days and times, good birds are a lot more accessible than they were back in the day. You know, yep. inf information is a lot more accessible uh, than it was back in the day. Um you know, is there any common problem or a common thing that you see in the game file industry, you know, that, that you would advise the younger guys coming in? You know, is it don't buy too many bloodlines or, you know, stick to what you know? You know, is there any kind of advice you can give the newer guys coming in? Yeah, the newer guys, they don't need to try to buy, you know, like you talking about, 16 different breeds. You know, get them two three breeds and play with them and see what they like. You know, it's a lot of work. And just because you got them from uh, James Sebastian or John down the road or whoever, that don't mean you're going to win. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody loses. And that's everybody what everybody loses. Everybody loses. Right. Right. You're going to you're going to lose some, but everybody loses. Everybody loses. And it doesn't matter where they come from and right. no matter what bloodlines they are. No, it don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. So so tell me this. Do you think, you know, from from being around, do you feel as though the 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 cockers today, because um, back in the day, what, it, what you know, how it was, it was it was so deep entrenched in the culture back in the day. You know, pits was all over the country and that kind of stuff. You know, do you do you do you see a difference in the birds today than those birds back in the day? As far as, you know, characteristics and the way they structure and look and health and that type of stuff? Yeah. Yes, I do. There are a lot of people taking better care of them today than they did a long time ago. I mean, you've always had the good, you know, I've always had the top breeders that always took care of them. That's Renee's on top. But uh, mm -hmm. now everybody's taking care of them. They're spending that extra, you know, going the extra mile to take care of them too. Yeah, you so, see, so you see a difference over the decades, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you see a lot of difference. You know, wow. maybe 30 years ago, you seen people, you know, the roosters really didn't look that healthy. Mm -hmm. Now about everybody you see, the roosters look healthy. <laughs> right. That's about right now. <laughs> you know, there it is. So, you know, so you know. tell me this. This this goes to the next question. You know, like you say, the roots of the day. Pretty much everybody got access to good genetics, right. you know, a, good, a good brew pen. They can, you know, if they can't breed it, they can buy it. Um, everybody got access to good feed. You know, with so many great free feed brands that's out here that's affordable. Right. Um, so that that levels that levels a playing field on that. So what you think? Is, is some of the things say, you know, obviously we can't say today, but, you know, in the in 2000, the early 2000, what do you think was separating the winners, the top guys from the rest of the pack? 
taken care of. You know, you're talking about 20 years ago. The other people took care of them. You know, they tried to keep them healthy and fresh. And, you know, the other ones, they was having a good time on the weekend. Grab them up and go play. Well, somebody needs to be there taking care of them. Right. You know, in the summertime. In summertime is your crucial part. You know, summertime? I, I, think, I think the summer in the moat's more crucial than when the season's in, too. Because mm. you're out there going through all that stress, there's when they need to take care of. You know, they're dropping all them feathers. They need to be, you know, took care of more. You know, they, right. get, they need to be took care of all the time. But it's right. more it's more in them in the moat time to me than it is in the play time. So so that's that's basically, you know, people can actually gain an edge. You feel as though they can gain an edge if they are, you know, paying a lot more attention to detail during that moat right. time of the year. Right, because them roosters are stressing. I mean, you know, it's rough on them. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to keep, you know, shaded good and, and fed and watered good and took care of, you know, give them treats then. You know, mm -hmm. there's where it'll help you when the season comes in. You know, if you're going to the lake and going to having a good time and partying with all the friends and the roosters out there, well, they can't go to that that water hydrant and turn that water on. They can't go to that feed barrel and get that feed. You got to get, you know, and there's where a lot of it is. You know, if they, you know, you get out of them what you put in them. Mm -hmm. If you're out running and having a good time and the roosters ain't getting took care of, well, when it comes showtime, ain't no need in blaming the chickens. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot. I've seen that a lot, you know, in my time you know not just in your time i have seen it in my short time and i ain't i haven't been in it 20 percent of the time you have been in it and i'm telling you that's why you know and again when i came out with the concept of the 362 so many people jumped all on top of me oh you got to take care of bird 365 days a year and what you did that that what he told me that 362 that don't make any sense i say listen when i said 362 i didn't say don't take care of a bird 365 days a year. I'm just saying if them first 362 days are not right, the last three days don't matter. That's all I'm saying. That's so cool. I'm talking about the moat. You know, the, the, when it's time for the moat, when it's time for the moat, you know, uh, them hot months, when it's 11 degrees below zero out there, busting them ice cups, and, you know, when you picking that brew pen and making sure that, you know, that your brew cock and your brew can, uh, uh, hen is healthy, that's what I'm talking about on a 362. If you ain't putting in all that work on that, and then you think you're going to call up James Sylvester and ask him what's his tricks of the trade for the last three days and think you're going to do something, that's not the answer. I mean, it ain't nobody going to convince me that it is. Oh, and, and, you know, and what game chickens is, is healthy chickens. Mm -hmm. I don't care how game they are. If they ain't healthy, mm -hmm. they ain't going to be game chicken. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it is. You know, so, and that's the reason I think it's tougher now because more people are taking better care of them roosters than they used to. Right, right. Right, they're taking better care. And I think, you know, the, the the amazing part about it is I think technology plays a role, too, because they got a lot better feed out here. Guys can go out and buy premix feed, and it'd be 20 times better than what they was feeding 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. 
It's cleaner. It's got better ingredients and everything. So guys can just get into chickens tomorrow and automatically be feed his chickens better than they were feeding chickens 30 years ago because of That's the right. available resources that we have at the feed store. That's true. Yeah, they got a bunch you of You know, the worm things. medicine, the, the vitamins and the worm medicine and then the access to the information. You know, right. I think, you know, it goes back to what you just said, having a, having a healthy chicken. Um, mm -hmm. is no is base number one. You know, doing them certain times of the year, you probably got to kick it up a notch. You know, shift it to next gear. You know, doing moat season, but on an average, you need to be taking care of that chicken all year long. Good. It seems like there's, it seems like there's more people now that that's trying to help. When I was coming up, they wouldn't tell you shit. That's right. That's you exactly. <laughs> They didn't tell you nothing back in the day, huh? They probably whatever no, they did tell you probably wasn't the right tried, information. They tried to tell you something to mess you up, right? Yeah, yeah. They right. Tell you, you know, now you know people. I guess you know, but but they was there, you know, to win, and they they weren't gonna tell you how to win. You know, trial and error. So you had to figure it out a lot of yourself. But now you know, there's a lot of people you can talk to, and they'll help you a lot. Back when I was they didn't tell you nothing. They didn't tell you. That's why, that's why I was asking you, you know, where were you learning your stuff from? Because well, you're right. During that time when you was coming up, everybody held their information close to their chest. Right. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't tell all of it. And, hell, my daddy didn't tell me everything. And I know uh, Jimmy didn't tell me everything. They won't tell you all we of it. The teacher never tell it all. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. But it, <laughs> <laughs> they said we need something in case you, you know, you buck up one day. <laughs> they said they always hold that one thing back just in case you try to right. buck up against the sensei. Like I'm the karate teacher yeah. around here. Right. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know tell you Cesarina said, you know, you gotta add something to yourself. You know, trial and error. Right, right. That is something. That is something. No, you're exactly right. You are exactly right. Well, I tell you, you know, it's been, it's, uh, you know, back in the day, what would you say, you know, um, some of the toughest guys back in the day, you know, actually, tell me this, in your opinion, back in the day, you said the Clear, Clear, Creek, Clear Creek was the toughest pit back in the day. I was down in Alabama, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and and say sunset, you know, a lot of guys said that you was a very tough entry at sunset. Mm -hmm. But what was probably the toughest pit? Yes. Or some of the toughest entries. Some of the toughest entries. Well, you had oh, there was a lot of tough entries, you know, at sunset in Clear Creek too. But you know, a lot of your uh, Clear Creek people, you had uh Carol Neesmith, Gene Brown at Clear Creek. You had Blondie and you had Shorty Bullock. You had Johnny Jumper. You had uh, Billy Rubel. I mean, you had the grapes at Clear Creek. And then they went to Sunset. So that was what you was fading again when you went there. So, I mean, right. just too many to mention. I mean, you had Oscar Aikens. Uh, oh, shit, you had just tons of rooster men. You know, good rooster men. Like right. I said, good rooster you know, you just on and on, you know, I'd need a list and sit down and figure out who I missed. And I've missed some. No, I haven't. 
A lot of good booster men there. Right, 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 right. Well, I tell you, you know, it's um, you know, again, it's you know, that's that's one of some of the things I wanted to kind of talk about. You know, kind of talk about the history because I know, you know, a lot of times we come on the show, we talk about a lot of the you know, the, the, the methods that people use on their farm, you know, how they, you know, use incubators and feed and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I like to bring people on the show to kind of talk about the history that a lot mm -hmm. of the young guys these days um, have not heard, you know, because they was obviously it wasn't in a sport back in the day when it was legal. And a lot of times guys want to just hear, how do you feed? How did he pick a hen? You know, how do you do this? You know, I, I, I you, you made a lot of valid points when you said a lot of the stuff is trial and error. You know, we can bring 20 top breeders on here. They can tell you how they pick a hen, how they pick a rooster, how they feed, how they do this and that. But it's not going to be any shortcuts to it. You still right. going to have to do it. You know, right. you still you still have to do it. So that's I, I, that's why I wanted to kind of talk about a little history and, and some stories and stuff like that that may be stuck in your mind from back in the day. Because, again, you know, just trying to shift gears a little bit and just talk about a little bit of the history of game foul back when you was coming up. Obviously, it's not the way it is today, but back in the day. That's why I asked you about the pits and stuff like that. Is there any particular shows or events that really stuck out to you, you know, throughout your time back then? I guess Sunset would be the one that really set out, you know, because it was the Super Bowl, I reckon, a rooster fight every month. And there was a lot of good roosters there. A lot of good roosters. Mm. Hmm. Well, listen, I mean, Mr. Sylvester, I mean, this, 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 this has been a wealth, a wealth of information. You probably got about 300 comments uh, in the comment <laughs> section. <laughs> so what I would say is because we we going on, you know, two hours. We're going on. We're going on two. I see these interviews get long. And before you realize it, we at the two hour mark. And I know it gets exhausting. Um, but but tell me this, you know, um, obviously, when we get off, if you can go in the comment section, you know, maybe address a lot is a lot of questions in the comment section. If you can get to that in the comment section. Um, okay. And then is there any closing argument, you know, is there any closing things that you would like to see, you know, moving forward, say for your son. How would you kind of like to see the game foul community when your son grow older to get well, I'd into? Like to I'd like to see it come back, you know, really come back. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't believe in my lifetime, I don't think so, that it's going to shut down. But, you know, I mean, you're going to do it somewhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'd like to see my boy take it over too, you know, my my little boy when he gets older. Hell, I ain't going to like him better than I do now. That's all he breathes. But, you know, that's who I want to pass it over to, you know, it's him. Right. And let him keep on. And it's just a lot of hard work, dedication. You know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. You know, and the main thing is have fun. Right. Have fun. Have fun. You know, you go and get that's your ass whooped, hell, have fun. You go and win, have fun. You know, it's fun. It's fun, you know. Have a lot of fun, you know. You, Ain't no need to be mad and upset because you get, you get here. It's going to happen to everybody. That's make right. You, you That's know, right. make you feel bad. You know, you're already mad. Well, that ain't going to help you none. It ain't going to bring them back. That's right. That's exactly right. 
Well, Mr. Sylvester, it's been a pleasure, a pleasure, pleasure for you coming on tonight. I mean, I we appreciate the history. I appreciate the unfiltered and the candor talk because, like I said, it was a lot of hot topics that I kind of wanted to get your perspective on and your opinion on. And you've been in the game a long time, so you didn't seen it all. You know, you didn't see the greats. You didn't see the guys that come and go. And you see the guys that started off okay, and now they're great today. So, you know, I appreciate you coming on and, and giving us the unfiltered, you know, opinion about how you look at certain things. And and I think uh, you gave a lot of people a lot of things to think about once they go back and really sit down and look at this interview. There's a lot of jewels. You know, there's a lot of great information that you gave out today um, that actually has got me thinking. You know, and I always go back and watch these interviews, but, you know, it was a couple of aha moments like, see, I told you, that's what I was thinking. Now it's somebody else that said the same identical thing. So, uh, <laughs> but like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I would like for you to come on again later later on in the day. You know, I appreciate you taking the invitation, coming on, giving us unfiltered information. You know, I know we didn't talk about a whole bunch of technical stuff and stuff like that, but it was a reason why I kind of wanted to shift gears and talk about another aspect of the game foul besides wormers and, and, and vitamins and this and that. You know, we do that all the time, and and I think uh, a lot of these younger guys looking here enjoy the stories and stuff like that of how it was back in the day. So, um, like I say, once we get off here, if you don't have a chance tonight, maybe you can do it sometime tomorrow. Get in the comment section of the video and uh, see if you can address or answer some of those questions on there. We didn't get to not even half of them. So whenever you get time, we would appreciate if you, you know, take some time and get in the comment section and, and answer some of those uh, questions. All right. OK. All righty, brother. I greatly appreciate it, Mr. Sylvester. You have a good evening and thank you very much for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Bye bye. All righty, guys. That was Mr. James Sylvester. Uh, I enjoyed the interview like I enjoy all of them. I always thank every last guest that comes on to the show because this is something that they don't have to do. Um, you know, every every interview is different. You know, some interviews bring more value to some people than others. You know, every time I do an interview, I get messages at, at, after the interview and they always say, man, that's the best interview. Um, you know, that's the best interview done gave. Well, I get that same identical phrase uh, message to me after every single interview. Why? Because it just goes to show is more than one way to skin a cat, like my mother would say. You know, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of um ways to get to the same goal. Um, and the goal with the show is, is to bring on a variety of different ways. Everybody got their ways of doing things. And I figured the more ways we can get out there, hopefully you can find something out of the interview that you can apply or benefit to your program or even answer a question that you may have been pondering on for a long period of time and can never, and, and can never answer the question. But again, there's a lot of great stuff. If you go back and listen to his interview, it's a lot of great things that he talks about in the interview that if you look out in the game file industry in community, it's a lot of regurgitated information that he kind of, you know, based on his success. And we all know he's he's a success in his own right. You know, his opinions is 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 contradicting to some of the stuff that we hear, you know, out in the game file community. That just goes to show that. Somebody can think the opposite way of you and still be successful. So, again, you know, I just hope that, uh, you know, obviously these these interviews, um, some people are going to get more value out of them than others. And that's why we keep doing them and we keep bringing in different people. Um, and hopefully that you learn something from all of them. If you don't learn nothing from them, 
then just don't watch them. It's just that simple. I'm pretty sure you can figure it out with Google. Um, and, and having a live interview a lot of times is probably the best way to learn, at least for me. You know, I'm more of a visual person. I can learn from watching an interview uh, just a lot better than sometimes I can I can learn reading off of Google. Um, so, like I say, we just made the best out of the night. I think the interview was great. We talked about some things tonight that we have never talked about. And that's why I feel as though the interview was great. You know, we talked about the breeding thing. Like he said, he had a couple years that was good. Then the birds went bad. Then the birds turned around and, and, and come back out good. You know, he talked about, you know, three different families, but they all started out kind of with the same characteristics. You know, we talked about how he picks his brood foul and why he picks his brood foul that way. You know, he talked about the difference in what he have seen with incubated chicks and natural hitch chicks when he put them out and free range them. All of that information is jewels. I know some guys maybe have overlooked it, but all the information, in my personal opinion, is Jews. If you've been in the game a long time, some you probably didn't say anything that you don't already know. But uh, what I do know is there's a lot of people who watch the show um, who don't have that much. You know, they're not they haven't been in the game 40 years. Um, and, and that's that is what it is. So hopefully, like I said tonight, y'all guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we got another guest coming on, which is tomorrow. Um, our Filipino. Go back to my post. I posted the whole schedule. So if anybody want to know uh, who we're doing, who we're interviewing tomorrow, go to the Journey to the Pit page. Take the time to scroll down and you'll see the whole schedule all the way till April 2nd uh, is our last interview, April 2nd. And then I'll kind of determine, you know, if I'm going to be doing interviews after that. But we had lined up these nine, these 10 interviews. We're going to run these 10 and then I'll decide on what we're going to do from that point forward. Hopefully this is giving y'all guys something to think about, something to talk about, something to watch and entertain yourself during this lockdown or this quarantine for the people that is quarantined give you something else to talk about and watch besides the news, um, the doom and gloom. So like I said, guys, y'all have a good night. Hopefully I'll see you tomorrow. Same place, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll have another great guest come on tomorrow. If you got any questions, post them in the comments. Mr. Sylvester will be getting to him as soon as he can. Like he said, he'll do his best. Uh, any questions that we did not get to, post it in the comments section, and hopefully uh, Mr. Sylvester have an opportunity to uh, get to those questions in the next two days. So other than that, stay focused, stay positive, and stay blessed, and I'll see y'all guys tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a good evening.